0: pandemic of violence floods the streets of major cities as cases of the media dubbed murder virus, MV20 soar, causing those infected to go on killing sprees.
1: caught in the middle police detective Angela Miller finds her only trustworthy ally in the self-proclaimed psychic PI, Gerald Henry as the two try to navigate the violence, they are drawn into new age guru melon harvests plot to heal the planet. Harvests missive.
0: The world is sick, and humanity is the
1: infection. The cure? Murder. From the Twisted Mind of Sean C. Baker, author of A Collection of Desires and Play in Book 1, Kim and Jesse, comes his most vicious novel yet, Murder Virus. Available where books are sold. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Horror Vision Presents Elements of Horror. I am Sean.
0: And I'm Missy.
1: And today, Missy, what movie are we doing today?
0: We're doing Lost River.
1: Yes, Ryan Gosling, written and directed by Mr. Ryan Gosling. And if there was ever any proof, I feel like this, is, this guy was kind of like, remember Johnny Depp back after like 21 Jump Street? People were like, oh, pretty boy. And then, like after a couple movies, you're like, oh, "This guy's pretty. This guy knows what he's doing. This guy's pretty good." Same with Brad Pitt. Same with David Gordon. No, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. All those guys, I feel like, got in one way, and then they were immediately, "Oh, Elijah Wood, too." Immediately, like, "That's not who I am. This is who I am."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and Elijah think, Wood, especially. He yeah, all especially kinds of weird like indie, just indie weird stuff.
1: Yeah. That, that first moment when i saw the maniac remake and i was like wait what
0: i love that remake
1: yeah it's a great remake it's widely hard to find
0: it is i mean i have a i have one but i had it like whenever it, when it came out mm-hmm. the original is good but man that remake is gorgeous yeah. I
1: I would love to I I haven't seen it in so long and I had never seen the original when I first saw that. I was very late in the game to um William Lustig's Maniac. And now I I really like I spent the last couple of days also watching uh I watched Maniac Cop and started watching Maniac Cop 2 and I've seen them before although I, well I don't want to talk about Maniac Cop but I'll just say like <laughs> William Lustig's a great director and that whole CD new york 42nd street thing which is very dominant in, in maniac um the elijah wood version does not have it but it has something else and i'd love the a and bm now just to you know
0: that's how i saw them um oh, me and my cousin had a double feature day and we watched the original first and then we watched the remake what was it like it, that was great um I had never seen either at that time. I'm really glad we watched the original first because I because I did enjoy it and I think if I had watched the Elijah Wood one first it might have killed the original for me. I could see that. If I tried to watch it after? Um so I think we definitely did it in the right order. Um and it was it was cool to see how the vision changed and what I connected with from both movies yeah I mean and they were the they were different enough the remake has enough of its own style and voice that I didn't feel like I just watched the same movie twice they had a lot of like I feel like the heart of the story was the same but the remake does go in its own direction the cinematography is great in that movie
1: yeah yeah, I mean in both, but it it, it is they, they seem like two very different movies. Um I don't know, that's something to aspire to. But again, I don't, I so here we are, it's the Lost River episode and right after we say that, but I will say that I think there's a through line here and I think that through line is So this is uh Lost River will be the second movie that we've done on elements of horror. Um, that is part of our kind of unofficial, like, Detroit-themed episodes, the first one being Only Lovers Left Alive. Listeners, if you didn't catch that, it came out about a week and a half ago. Uh, You can find that uh, anywhere, wherever podcasts are streamed. But um, I I have a fascination, and I think you do too with Detroit, that draws me to these movies. But I also have a fascination with that era of New York and 42nd Street the deuce, and so there, there is kind of a through line there as far as these are movies like where the location is very much woven deeply into the fabric of the characters, the situations that they're in. I mean, it informs everything about the movie. And Lost River, like one hundred percent, this movie has to take. I Now I know in the movie they don't say it's Detroit; it's called Lost River. It's filmed in Detroit, Michigan. And I mean, god damn, I've been to Detroit. I don't know if, and we're going full spoiler, so if you haven't seen it, please don't listen to this. Go watch it. Have you been to Detroit?
0: No. I mean, I drew I drove through it once mm-hmm. um, on a day trip with my friend, but um we didn't we just went through, we didn't stop. And it didn't look like anything in these movies. <laughs>
1: I was only there for a night. Like I drove in, went to, I, I forget the theater's name. I think it was like the Matchstick Theater or something. It's a famous theater there and saw Stereo Lab play and then literally left that and drove to Ohio. So I wasn't even there for more than a couple hours, but um, I would like to go and just, you know, there's something about Detroit, so listeners missy and i are both from the south side of chicago and so missy you know the community robbins right robbins is a very impoverished impoverished south side community where it's there's the suburban or urban kind of feel of i mean it looks a lot like chicago with the strip malls and the the way the houses are from you know the 40s and the 50s and blah 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 liquor stores and lots of churches Um, lean-to shacks even. But then there's just green because everybody's lawn is unkempt and overgrown. There's just pockets where like, the earth is taking it back because it's such dilapidated squalor and swaths of it are abandoned. And that's what you get here too. And it reminds me of... That like, and I think I said this when we were talking about something on this podcast recently. It might have been Only Lovers of Live, where there was a book back in like the aughts called like When We're Gone or something like that. And it was just visual depictions of what scientists estimated, like after one day, after one week, after one month, and you saw these these like computer generated images of cities and how they would slowly be overgrown by vegetation and reclaimed by the earth, right? And the The cement of the roads would be shattered by, you know, the earth basically Probably reclaiming it.
0: Trees growing through them, and
1: exactly, and that's kind of, yeah, that's that's kind of what we see here. And I would just love to know: is there really that, that the sunken road, like where the streetlights are just sticking out of the fucking? Oh, I mean, is there a more beautiful image?
0: No, I mean the scenery in this movie is amazing. And I don't know if I mean, I know when we see all the houses and everything, that's on location. The street you're talking about with the underwater city and the street lights like just poking up. I mean, I don't know if that's real or not.
1: I don't either. I I, I guess I should have probably researched this for this podcast, but I, I don't I don't want to read about it. like I I feel like, especially now that I'm in Tennessee and I'm close enough to drive to Chicago, very, you know, kind of lackadaisically. um, I feel like a Detroit trip is something that I'd like to do. Like, I don't know. I I, I just feel this fascination just really festering. So, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Do people go there anymore? Like, I yeah
1: I mean you know you there's still as far as I know I mean I've been there since like two thousand four but or five but there's still I mean there's still a city there it's just so much of the sprawl is empty because people just moved away um right. because the you know the jobs dried up um with the automotive industry leaving but I don't want to like I I kind of don't want to know if that I, well no I want to know if that's really there but I don't want like Wikipedia to tell me it's really there
0: right you want to see it
1: yeah so I don't know if or that'll just happen or not. It. yeah yeah
0: especially because we we do, do see it show up like a lot in quite a few of the different movies at least the weird stuff we watch yeah um and, and I definitely have a fascination with it, but I've always been fascinated by empty, abandoned places. And I love seeing those images where you see trees growing through buildings. Yeah. Everything, like, there's a beauty there that most people don't get, and it's one of, it's among my favorite things, but I'm also obsessed with post-apocalyptic stories, so that's Probably not surprising. The world, it it looks a lot more beautiful when there are not so many humans in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, if you were to summarize the plot of this movie, of which I feel like there is, I don't know that there's a plot. But if you were to, to do so for somebody, how would you describe oh, the plot?
0: Actually, I feel like there are two plots. I don't know that I can put the second part into words. You might be able to do that better. Because um, the movie is kind of divided into two key stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one I, I gravitate toward tends to be the one that I see as like a an apocalyptic fairy tale the one where we deal with bones and and his story so you've got this young man in this abandoned town that we just know as bully town it's abandoned destroyed and there's no one there he's pulling copper out of copper wiring out of walls to get money to survive um and this and his story is that he's trying to he's trying to find a way to get out. He wants to change his fate. And he's willing to fight for it, but he's not sure how to do it. And in the meantime, he's hearing stories about how this place where he lives is cursed. So then he wants to find a way to break the curse. The other story has to do with his mom trying to figure out how to save their home and the seedy club she starts working at. And I mean, I feel like she's, that's more the real world. How, how do we deal with the real world problems and find a way to survive? Whereas her son is literally trying to find a way to fight magic and get out alive.
1: That's interesting. I never thought of it before. That I mean, you're one hundred percent correct, and I mean, in in so far as I can tell you, you're correct. But let's say, i like, I hundred percent agree. Uh, we Ryan Gosling might be like, you're both wrong. <laughs> right. capitalism, but I doubt that. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. But I guess in a way, it's more capitalist. But, um But I never thought of the fact that, like, all of us, like, so you and I are definitely like this, where we have to balance the real world with the world in our head, right?
0: Right. And
1: I feel like we both skew towards putting more importance on the world in our head than the real world.
0: I think that's true of both of us. And that would also be true of both. Yes. uh, The leading man in the story.
1: Yes. And I didn't think of it before, but it, it, it is almost like an allegory of childhood where, I mean, he's not that young, but he is still in childhood and his mother is an adult. So his mother is dealing with the real world stuff and he's dealing with something equally important. And in the end, you can read it as he's the one that breaks the curse, and then they get out, right? Right. I mean, so it, it's like, yeah, he wins, and so the magic or whatever, and it, in no way do they ever refer to it as magic, really. They do say curse. Rat calls it a curse or whatever. She's the one that kind of convinces him about that. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I never thought of that. that kind of like very clinical dichotomy of where that's a lot of our lives, and that's their life. Exactly. He's dealing with the kind of more spiritual aspect of things that she's dealing with, like, you know, she's dealing with pentacles and he's dealing with, you know, what, like cups or, or, you know, um, swords
0: cups or wands.
1: Your wands. Yeah. Sorry. Swords would definitely be.
0: No, I think the mother would be dealing with pentacles and swords because she's dealing with trying to find the truth.
1: That is, so that's really interesting and there's no there's no overt magical imagery in in the movie there's no tarot cards there's no um really any I mean as far as far as you know when he breaks the curse uh it's not like he you know uses like a mortar and pestle and like draws a pentagram or lights candles or whatever it's completely... but also I like that because that adds to that area is so enchanted because it's being reclaimed by the earth. So it almost reminds me in a way of like, this is maybe a stretch, but um, if you go back to like fucking King Arthur, like expansionism of this empire that eventually like li- leads to Britain and the picks up North where Merlin, herald, you know, um, hailed from and they're kind of more magical like nomad earthy based and and so it's almost like that it's like expansionism in this case has stopped because the city is dead and dying and being reclaimed and and yet there's still things like we'll, we'll get to like ben Mendelssohn is is sweeping up and shutting the lights off on the capitalism there kind of like you know closing down you know for um foreclosing houses and you know firing people at the bank and whatever and at the same time he's setting up his own little things that while capitalism is very much rooted in like something way more like primal and 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 dark the, the whole movie is just a wash in all of this kind of conflict between the spiritual and the earthly uh, so I really like this this tarot metaphor
0: Yeah I think it works it works well and it's actually I love this movie, but I've always had a little bit of a problem with the the mom story. I just wanted more of the other one, mm-hmm. the um, Bones's story, because he's basically a a knight on a quest. Yeah, going to break a curse and
1: kill a dragon.
0: Right, face the breaks cur- break the curse, and kill a dragon, and and the mom is dealing with trying to save their house and shady loans from the bank. And it just never felt like it connected. Like mm-hmm. how the, the two stories seem so opposite. It was kind of hard for me to meet in the middle. Okay. But if it, it makes more, it makes a little more sense to me now why he would have also included because there are points where they almost feel like different boots. Because the voice is so drastically different, but maybe he was trying to create balance and show both sides of the coin.
1: Yeah, and I, I it, hurts Billy, um, so Billy. Bones is Bones's mom is played by um, Christina Hendricks. Bones is Ian, Dicastiker. Uh Rat is I cannot say her name.
0: Shersha
1: Ronan. Okay, Shersha Ronan. Um Bully is Matt Smith. Ben Mendelson is Dave. Eva Mendez is Kat. Uh Rita Katib is cab driver. Uh Barbara Steele is grandma. And that's the major I, I forget what the name of the guy is it gets uh is it Frankie that gets his lips cut off or is it MC face. either way? They
0: call him face.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, Tori Wigfield. Okay, so
0: yeah, face. Because all the all the characters in Bones' story have they don't have real grown-up names.
1: Yeah, that's very They're true. Bones actually. Yes. and
0: bo- Bones, Bully, Rat, Face. They're like you know kids out of a fairy tale.
1: That's very interesting. All right,
0: continue. No, Billy. no,
1: that's that's very, very interesting. Um, but it, it's interesting because Billy's story starts very rooted in in pentacles, right? She has to go to the bank. She's got to deal with Dave, who is just such a Ben Mendelsohn. I fucking love this movie. I didn't know who he was. Like he's one of those I'd seen him before. I fucking love him because of this movie. And when okay. he's in something, I'll be like, oh, he's in it. I'll see it.
0: Oh, well, I think he's also the bad guy in Ready Player One.
1: I never seen the that. The
0: Super Suit guy. Okay. Really? No. Nah. You'd like that movie. I think it's him. I think it's him. I
1: he's mean, he's he's in I'm a not shit ton of stuff. I mean, he's in fucking Captain Marvel. I guess I've never seen Rogue One, but I understand he's in Rogue One. Like he's okay. well, the other stuff I know him from is like The Outsider, um, the Stephen King adaptation yeah. on HBO. Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. Um, I forgot about that.
1: I forget what it's, it's so, so many, so many things. I feel like since I saw him in this movie, I feel like I just keep seeing him and stuff. Um, and he's just, he's fantastic and everything. Um, but once, so, you know, they start out in this bank and it's very, he's got a button up shirt, a tie on. And it's all very bank, very pentacles. And, um, But once she kind of like goes into his realm and he's like, oh, I got you know, I got a job suggestion for you. She goes to that club and he explains like, you know, I've been I don't know how many Lost Rivers in the last like couple of years. And whenever I go into it and he's already said he goes into these towns to streamline the banks, foreclose everything like that's their conversation at the bank. Like he showed up, he fired the guy that gave her the bad loan. He doesn't really give a shit. He's just, you know, crunching numbers. And he says this wonderful thing. He says, we all got to do the shimmy, shimmy, ya. This ain't, like, this ain't who I am. I got my own hustle, or however he says that. I love the shimmy, shimmy, ya. And one, once she goes into his world, it's the, you know, the cover of the movie is that image of, I don't know what the fuck you would call it. It's like a, a doorway that is a beast's mouth. Right, and it that's looks the, like
0: it looks like imagery for old like um, carnivals, like yeah, like the, the tunnel. tunnel of love.
1: Yes, exactly. It, so okay, I'm glad you said that. I wasn't sure if I was wrong. I was like tunnel of love. Is that that's right? what it
0: always makes me think of? Okay, it looks okay. like a big tunnel tunnel of love, and you've got um bones in the boat.
1: Yeah. Uh, but in that club. And I forgot when I just, I've seen it, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Let's say this was like the third or fourth time I've seen it. I always forget that when they go to the club at first, it starts out where it seems like it's some kind of burlesque or something. And then the the woman on stage, Eva Mendez, gets like fucking stabbed and there's blood, you know, and it, and it's like this weird, like slasher burlesque where like, she's not actually killed. It's all, you know, effects, but I'm like,
0: I'm
1: like, fuck, I want to go to this place. Are you serious? This is amazing. And his domain, I feel like, is less pentacles and more, I don't even know what. It's like, is this what comes after capitalism? Like, he sets up these little things and these people work for him. And I don't know how happy they are, right? When you go, you get that weird burlesque upstairs. And then when you go downstairs, you get this. I mean, it's almost like something out of a fucking Panos Cosmatos movie where they're there's a that first shot where when Eva Mendez first takes Christina Hendricks down there, it's just lavender. You can't see what because it's like a close-up on the wall or something. So it just looks like you're swimming in lavender, and then slowly you see them walking down this hallway, and the fucking image kind of congeals, right? And then she introduces right. her to the room with the shells, which we'll get into. It's so creepy. Like, where are yeah, and like where are we? This is in this town.
0: Right, and I think that's where my disconnect with it with that part of the story comes from like, um, I mean, everything about that club is unsettling. It is not a place I want to go to. I want to go find the under the crazy underwater city. I don't want to yeah. go to the creepy club with the shells at all. Um, but he they are kind of creating their own world in there. It's not like anything. That we're familiar with no and i mean everything that they do in the club i mean we find out later that they're not killing eva mendez on stage but at first it it looks like it yeah and that club is all about presenting you with lies and can you see through it Because, I mean, there's even, when we go back to the shelves, they tell her that they're safe. And it's definitely not. It is not safe.
1: Well, it's not safe if the person who is, if your patron is the guy that owns it. Because he has basically the the garage door opener, right? The
0: thing, right, to open it.
1: Oh, that's a scene. I love that scene so much.
0: Those shells are like the creepiest thing ever. Yeah,
1: they're pretty. I mean, <laughs> and I don't mean I want to go to the to the to that part of that club. I would. You want to go
0: to the yeah the yeah. burlesque horror show, which is kind of cool.
1: It's pretty cool, right? Like you, you would totally go there. Like oh, it's like a slasher, you know. Like I don't know, it's it's just very cool. I don't know if there's like a secret password to get to the, but the, man, that God, it is just such a such a strange. When they go into that thing with the shells, which by the way is cut in the climactic moments, her in the shell with Mendelssohn there trying to get in. is
0: And Bones at the Lost City.
1: And going, yeah, going underneath. And so when I first saw this movie, I remember it was like later at night and I, I was probably fucked up and I was, at, at, it was in my old pad in Redondo Beach. And I think Kirsten was asleep, and I'm watching it. Well, I'm watching it in our room. So we used to have a TV in the in the bedroom in there, and I'm like watching this. And there's there's the first time he goes out to that sunken place. He gets on the raft and he brings it like I don't know if it's like a fish tank or something, and he holds it so he can look underwater basically.
0: It's a fish tank. It's an aqu- it's a fish aquarium.
1: Okay. And it basically functions like goggles when you're underwater, mm-hmm. right? Except he doesn't have to submerge himself. And you see these passing, like he's kind of looking around, you don't know what you're looking at, and there's just one shot. And I remember like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Like what? Because this is also like when I, the first time I watched it, I didn't know what this movie was. Right. I like right. I didn't know where it was going or anything. So I was like, oh my God, is there like a fucking like a lake monster? And...
0: Yeah, you get a glimpse of the shadow of what oh. looks like a dragon or some kind of big monster, you know, sea creature, whatever. You don't get much of a look at it. It's very quick. Very quick. But it's an it's enough to make you lean closer to the screen, waiting to see you know more.
1: Yeah. And so then we get back to our, the knight slaying the dragon, right? The way he breaks the curse is he actually goes down there with a fucking hacksaw and saws the head off the brontosaurus, which I, so that first time I had completely glossed over the fact that they've told us, that before you get to that, they tell you twice that the town that they, that they, um, flooded for the reservoir had a, um, like, uh, a, a prehistory, theme park with dinosaurs you know well they don't say dinosaurs but they say like our prehistoric theme park or whatever so of course
0: oh I forgot about that
1: yeah it's in I, that like weird infomercial thing and that, it's not infomercial that, that it's like the that yeah the educational film that Rand plays for
0: yeah, I yeah I forgot all about that um I just remember her saying that in order to break the curse you have to bring something from the city back yeah um I mean, and it's not specified what it has to be, but he saws the head off of this dinosaur or dragon that is under underwater and then uses it to slay another monster. Which yeah. Is everything about, his, about the bone story I just love. And that's when we really get a good look at you know, this at Bully Town where they live. Yeah. And it's just, it, and when we're dealing with his story, everything, the colors are amazing. Yeah. Everything is so br- Like they're filming Detroit and it's all like desolate and abandoned, but it's in like Technicolor. Yeah. So the colors, the greenery, and then the, the blue sky, everything pops and makes it feel more dreamy. And then everything about that half of the story, it has that dreamy element to it that I like so much. And it kind of makes you wonder if Detroit is like is it i mean is it really that empty to the point where i mean they're pulling wires out of walls to to get money and that kind of thing or is that just you know a bully town
1: thing that's a good question i think that's a fairly common thing i don't it might not still be like that but i know that was like post katrina new orleans there were elements of that um because that's an okay. easy way way to for people. I knew a dude in L.A. that would that would do. You know, he'd like when we stripped at work a building that we bought and converted. And when they when they did that, he was like always asking my boss, like, can I take the copper? Can I take the copper? But the guys that were doing the construction had already worked out a deal. So there's this kind of like beef between these guys because they're like, you know, the owner was like, no, they're taking the copper, and then this guy's like, oh, no. What the fuck? I you know I want to just get a with co- some copper, but he would tell me that he would go wherever the fuck he lived. He would go and like you know him and his buddies would sometimes go to abandoned houses and like um rip copper out of the walls and stuff like that because you could turn it in at the I don't know the fucking junkyard, junkyard or whatever. Yeah, um, that's a thing. There, there's certain things about the movie also that for me that dovetail with another one of my favorite movies, which is Harmony Korine's Gummo. Very different movies, but there is that greenery over like dilapidation that kind of reclamation feel at times in Gummo. And then it's this, what people do to survive, right? Like the one cat is like, putting broken glass or, or rat poison and tuna fish to kill cats to sell to the local butcher and then Tumbler and, and what's his, and Solomon are also killing cats to sell to the grocery store. <laughs> um, and it's a little bit like the, the whole, you know, bones taking the copper and then fucking, can we talk about Matt Smith for a minute?
0: <laughs> he, I, all right. I am not a doctor who fan. I have all seen right. Matt Smith in two movies and in both of them, he's fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, and last night I, soho I'm, being the other one, right?
0: Right. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure that those are the same things you know him from because I don't think you do Doctor Who either.
1: I've seen like an episode or two. I don't know if I've ever seen one of his. I don't like Doctor Who, so it's it's completely and like I guess he's yeah, in Morbius, so I've ne- I will never see that. um uh, I there's something I've seen him in a, something else. I don't know what else. Oh, the his house movie on Netflix. He was he had a small part in that. I feel like there was something. Anyway, whatever. Um,
0: okay.
1: He's terrifying, right?
0: Terrifying. <laughs> and yeah, every time he's on screen, he he steals the show. But I don't know if it's. I mean, part of it is his facial expressions the way he moves like he's very intimidating even though he's not a big person yeah like he just looks like he wants to rip your throat out with his teeth in this movie yeah and 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 when we deal with when he meets nick the rat that is just uh. heartbreaking Yeah, he's a, he's so good. Everything about him is so good. And when I mean, so you've got this great bully driving around Bully Town in this car that looks like it with a seat mounted on the back that looks like it came out of Escape from New York. Yeah. On you know, on a bullhorn screaming at people, you know, this is this is my this is my town. And you know, if I catch you. Catch you stealing anything from my town, you know, you're gonna pay for it. Welcome to Bully Town, and everybody just scatters like cockroaches. Yeah. As soon as they hear him.
1: And, and he, he has completely, I feel like it, I mean, I, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan or whatever, but I feel I feel like this is a common thing in those kind of stories where like you have a community and like the dragon or the evil wizard comes to town and it just, that whatever the community was, that's not what it is anymore. Now they run the show and everybody's afraid. And so to continue with that knight slaying the dragon metaphor, um, because Bones does eventually use the severed head of the Brontosaurus statue, aka the dragon, to kill Bully, to beat the real dragon, as you said. Um, right. But It is. So this town is called Lost River, but it's not anymore. It is literally bully town. It's spray painted everywhere. He fucking drives up and down the streets, like you said, telling people this is bully town. This is my town. Everybody and everything in it is mine. Nobody confronts him. And in fact, when Bones goes to sell the copper, the guy that takes copper is like, you can't be doing this, man. Because he knows well, I'm not
0: gonna buy from you because yeah, I don't want to be. Well, he's gonna
1: cut my fucking lips off, let alone you know, like I don't want to see it happen to you, but you do what you do you, I'll do me. No.
0: Uh, the only people who stand up to him are bones and Rat. Yeah. Cause she faces him to protect bones, even though she's terrified and even though it costs her Someone else she loves.
1: Yeah, that is... I I remember... because I told you about this movie, right?
0: You did. I had never heard of it. And when you did tell me about it, you just told me it was one of your favorite movies and to just watch it. So I knew nothing about it at all.
1: I was worried about it telling you about it because, because the rat scene is rough. So if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie and you obviously... And some degree, you know, I feel like you probably like the movie or are baffled by the movie or whatever. But you know, <laughs> like I don't believe in trigger warnings, Um, but I don't like to see like I would rather see people killed than animal ki- animals killed.
0: Most and, horror fans would. Yeah, I mean, that's not an unusual thing with us. I mean, Joe Bob showed that movie with Jodie Foster and then was immediately blitzed with. Darcy getting drowning in messages about did the hamster die when? Oh yeah. Martin Sheen threw it at a threw it at a wall. I forgot.
1: And about they didn't that. even
0: show it. You just heard it squeak, and all the mutants freaked out.
1: I forgot all about that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I mean, mean obviously... when it comes
0: to animal stuff, I I mean I'm cool with trigger warnings. Um, and again, they don't just Like that, it's more insinuated. You don't actually see what happens, but your imagination fills it in and it sucks. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, it's it's they obviously don't kill the actual rat, but right it the way they film it, it is it it, your mind does fill it in, but you do see the scissors working on its neck, and you do then see her holding the severed head in the body. So it it is you know more graphic than like for instance like the 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 little girl who lived down the lane like you were just saying right um but it is not a real animal harmed it's still it's still difficult to watch i so i was a little worried about that but i had a feeling that like me who also doesn't you know like that the rest of the movie and the fact that the animals not actually harmed Right. May you know it it may it's fine it it's not
0: it's fine, it's fine. and the movie is it's definitely worth it and if for listeners, if that's a trigger, like you can you can skip through it and just know what happened that you know bully kills rat rat friend Nick, yeah, <laughs> um. 'Cause I mean you hear it. You hear all the sounds and I think that's what yeah. makes it so unnerving. Yes. you you hear the squeaking and the scissors and and it's traumatizing. <laughs> I, I was yeah. traumatized by the death of Nick the rat, but the movie's definitely worthwhile. Um it's the whole thing is about just loss of innocence and facing your demons and like, how far will you, how much will you fight for what you love? Well said. And I guess that's true of Billy's story too. It, it, at least how much will you fight to save what you love? Yeah. Maybe that's how it ties ties together. But the other thing that's interesting about her story is like she's going through, I mean, she's working at this shady creepy club and doing all these things that kind of make her question her morals, but she's trying, and she's trying to save her home. But why? There's nothing there. It's part of bully town. Everybody's leaving. (laughs) She's, signed herself into this loan she's gotten involved with with dave who's just the worst human being alive (laughs) and she's trying to save her home so she can have a life for her kids but there is nowhere to work you have to deal with bully it's like bones has the right idea it's time to get out it's past time to get out
1: I love that. I always think it's the opening scene, but it's not. The opening scene is like the footage of Bones and Frankie, his very younger brother, kind of playing around. That that first scene where it's the neighbor moving, and the neighbor's like, you know, packing up the U-Haul truck and closing the door and just talking to him. He's like, it's just, you know, I, I got, I, there's nothing left. I got to go. Everybody's leaving. Like, get out while you can. And he says like, says something like, I love you. I'll never forget you he gets in the truck and drives mm-hmm. away. And I just always thought that was just such a wonderful way. I don't know. I just, I really, really like that a lot. There's some like very genuine human interaction in this movie that just kind of sneaks in here or there. Billy and the cab driver, there's stuff like that. Um, Bones and rat. Bones and rat, And that's more like, that's very pronounced because it's it's part of the story, right? But, but I mean, not to, you're de- definitely right. But there's these other kind of little interactions that pepper it and give you more of a sense of this community beyond the main characters. But I love. Oh man, it's it's funny what you said about Billy trying to save this house. And at some point, I think Dave says like, or somebody says like, why? And she's like,
0: I think Bones asks her at some point why, because he wants to leave.
1: Where it's where I grew up. It's it's you know, but it's it's our home and and really you got to think it's like you want your kids living here really
0: right where they have to be afraid every day that you know they're going to cross a bully in some way and he's going to cut their lips off like yeah yeah you know, oh. like face who's wandering around town looking like i mean looking like he had his lips cut off huh.
1: Oh. There's a scene in the convenience store where Bones is hiding and and Rat kind of takes the bullet and like and like checks out and then walks outside and like deters, you know, bully and faces attention. But Face at one point like leans down or something, you just see the stream of drool and I just think of Face from the Preacher comics where yeah, there was yeah. a perpetual stream of drool. Um and it's like of course he's drooling all the time. He's got no fucking lips. Like his he, <laughs> His his boss or whatever you want to call him just cut his fucking lips off for like no reason.
0: Right, for some something that Bully decided he felt was wrong, but I don't remember what his wrongdoing was.
1: He just says you it let him certainly, go.
0: It certainly wasn't bad enough to cut his half his face off.
1: No, and, and what well, it's at, see, it's the ramification of the scene where they catch him stealing the copper. And it's like Bones emerges. They're by, I think they're by the zoo. And then Bully is like way over yonder on, I don't know what he's on, like a like a second story porch or a roof or something. And he sees him and he starts screaming at him. And Bones takes off and then face is closer. So Bully yells at face to get him. And they ch- he chases him through those mm. cages that are all overgrown with grass. Another amazing image. Right. At first I was like, what the fuck is that? There's something about all that chain link. With like, mm-hmm. just like, you know, almost shoulder high grass, like just choking it. That's just an unbelievable image to me. It's just gorgeous.
0: Yeah, and for then, sure.
1: And then he says later, he's like, you let him go. And he cuts his lips off.
0: Okay. Ugh. Yeah. they're Bully is a pretty terrifying and terrible person.
1: Oh, man um so i think the whole movie and this goes into what you said about like why why does she want this house and that's like the big question right if people are asking for this like dave's like this is the this is what this is all about like seriously so we already touched on it i just took some like notes the other day but it's like when they're in the bank and they get in the elevator with the accordion door and they're kind of descending mm-hmm. and he's, Dave's talking to her, it's a very, like, you. this is a very post-industrial area, right? And so I think that that plays into that theme of, like, the context of what comes after capitalism. Think of, like, the Dark Tower books. I always love in... I forget if it's... uh Draw... I forget if it's three or four, Wastelands or Wizard of the Glass. One of my favorite images in those books is at some point, Roland sees a, a sign in the distance that says Sitco. And okay, if if like for people, I think that's a regional thing. So Sitco is a gas station and it's, they're largely gone now. I don't know that there's any left. There was one when we first moved here a couple months ago to Parksville. there was one... I would pass all the time and now it's gone. It was closed though, but it, the building still stood and now it's, it's something else. But um, that idea of like that post-apocalyptic, like the world has moved on as they say almost verbatim in The Dark Tower, right? And like, so, but there's still elements of the old world left and some of it doesn't even make sense in the context of the world that it now exists here, much like those chain link cages or whatever they are. Or the sunken, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it—it it just all seems like, what is this? Like, is this like, if if you had no context for the fact that there's a prehistoric theme park under there, mm-hmm. you would think like I, that is one of the most star- like, in a way, terrifying scenes when he go dives down there because even though I now know what that is, dude, I just got to think about water and going under yeah, it, I- what could what could be under there.
0: Water is not my element. No. <laughs> I do not want to go underwater to to fight the monster. I'll No.
1: <laughs> and you could prove to me that that's a statue, and I would still be fucking terrified that it was a lot. You know what I mean? Like, just because you're underwater, I just feel like, well, all bets are off. Oh, such an effective, goddamn, fuck, Brian God damn it. Unbelievable. But one of the things about this is like, Nobody can let go. Everything here, like, so I feel like there's this message that you can't out earn decay. And okay. there's a still life element to the way that they portray the city and their lives. Because, and oh, this is one of the things that makes me think of Gummo. There are just these, like, almost non sequitur shots of, like, dilapidation. Or like there's a great shot of bully, just like with his shirt off, like doing the muscle man thing, you know, posing mm-hmm. with his biceps. There's a bunch of these shots, the the fires, the most gorgeous fires that maybe I've ever seen captured on um, film. And like you said, they're just they just pop. They're just whatever they did, however they treated the film or however they lit it or whatever I mean, they're just fucking gorgeous. They, it's almost like still like, but it's like everything is frozen in time. Because this whole fucking city's frozen in time. Because, wh- like, why would you still be there? Because you can't let go. Like, look at the look. Like, so look at Rat's grandmother. She's Rich. mute. She dresses in black and a fucking funeral veil and just watches these old movies that she was in or whatever. The old, you know, footage because of her Because she her can't husband.
0: let go of her can't husband. Can't let
1: go. Can't let go. Died.
0: Yeah, I never noticed that. That's a good call. Um, and Rat. Wants to leave, but she can't let, she won't let go of her grandmother. Yep. Billy can't let go of the house. I don't know what Bones can't let go of. He wants, actively wants to leave. I mean, maybe uh, his I, family. He doesn't I, want yeah. to leave without his family.
1: Which is somewhat different because it's not like, you know, with some like, Billy should let go of the house. Right. right? Bones shouldn't let go of his family. It's not toxic, it's just, you know, so th- there is a difference there as far as, like, the the value.
0: Oh, and I guess the same is true of Rat and her grandmother. Yeah. I mean, her grandmother should let go of the dead husband. It's been 30, 40 years, but, you know, Rat shouldn't have to let go of her grandmother.
1: Well, the grandmother actually seems happy when she dies in the fire. And I think that that is because not only is she free, but she knows that her granddaughter's free.
0: Okay. Good call. And her grandmother can't let go of the past either because she lives in these old movies. And, I mean, that's where Rat gets the the movie about the theme park.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, yep. That's right,
0: or you know advertisement for this theme park, whatever it is I
1: mean it's almost like to me the like the it, the film is almost obsessed with lost causes, like lost causes, lost cities, lost childhoods, lost ways of life okay uh, un, unable to let go or move on. So these the characters play out these like dramatic pantomimes. And I feel like Bones is really the one that is the one that, that sees this for what it is. Even Rat, I don't know that she totally sees it until she is kind of aligned with Bones, right? And then I feel like that's maybe where she starts to get the strength.
0: Yeah, and that's when she starts. I mean, when he asks her if she would go with him, that's when she starts actually thinking about. I could have a future. Yep. And until then, she was just kind of trapped in stasis with her grandmother.
1: Yeah. And, And if you think about it, so they all continue to move inside their little fictional realities until one of them, Bones, actually discovers a dramatic fantasy, this completely drowned like city right and so the dinosaur is like the overt metaphor for the creature that no longer exists but the town even the drowned town had built a monument they couldn't let go it's like everything is just like obsessed with the past
0: right because they could have drained that drained that city and paved over it you know put something else there they didn't
1: well, and maybe that's why that city was was drowned anyway, because it's like, what what do they have to offer? Like the the prehistoric theme park. I mean, we don't know. You know, there could have been something else there, but I just think it's really interesting, and it plays into that whole thing where it's like the spell and and having to bring something to the top, and you know, it's like, why didn't you just dive down there and grab like I don't know a fucking brick, like instead <laughs> of But but you know why? Because he feels like feel like it is an act of of magic. He feels like, I'm going to defeat this dragon. I'm going to reclaim something that matters.
0: Right. He doesn't want just good enough. I don't want to just get a rock and see if that does it. Like, he's all in.
1: Yeah, he's all in.
0: And if he's going to do it, he's going to do it all the way. So, I mean... He definitely does it all the way. He slays the underwater beast and then uses it to bludgeon bully. Yeah. And that like that showdown with bully is, is oh, it's it's just so good. Every the performances are great.
1: Yeah, they really are.
0: Every time bones or bully it are on screen, they're captivating. And when you've got the two of them showing, you know, at either end of the road, you know, Bully's going to run him over and he just launches this dinosaur head into the air. It's such a bizarre movie.
1: It is. It's very, there's a definite, like, I feel like, as a a kind of a David Lynch obsessive um, I Like, I was just bound to love this movie.
0: Yeah, it definitely has lynchy vibes to it. I mean, it tells very much its own story, but... It, it definitely has some lynchy undertones. Yeah. God, I... Especially when you get down to the shells in the basement, like that feels like yes. something out of a movie. Yeah. I mean, the the club, the cl- I feel more of the lynchy stuff when we're in the club, but. I don't know, there's just some, the imagery, the imagery in this movie is very unique. I've never seen anything like those shells before. And the idea of strapping a person into it. So. I don't even know what the purpose is. I mean, are they actually supposed to like have sex with the shells?
1: Man, I, you know, Eva Mendez, when she shows it to Billy And even Mendes doesn't seem like... a. I was trying to kind of read her character this time more. And, like, is she, like, a bad person? I can't really get a handle on it. But she kind of, like, oh, you know, it's safe. And as long as it's locked, you know, they're just going to work out their frustrations. And I'm, like, so is this, like, the next step from, like, a peep show? Where it's, like, you're actually... I guess. But work out frustrations. So do they also, like, what is it like? I mean the mind kind of recoils with images of, of like men either like punching the shell or like God, you know, like fucking jerking off. Or like, I just, I don't know. I do know that Ben Mendelssohn can cut a fucking rug, man. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I will say,
0: I, I don't know. There's about, something malicious about that dance scene.
1: Oh, there is for sure. But I so uncomfortable. I have thought about since the first time I saw that movie, the the way that he dances. It I just there's something about it. It is it just enthralls me. Like it is the weirdest. Like I, I just don't know. Okay. It's threatening and it's like drunken and it's irreverent and it's maybe trying to be sexy but in like a threatening way but but there's nothing overtly threatening about the way he's moving his body it's
0: just so it but it feels pretty fucking threatening (laughs) oh no he always feels very threatening to me and his excellent performance from ben mendelson but he is everything about him is just easy and uncomfortable and untrustworthy his character rather not him
1: um dave yeah oh so
0: sleazy even when he's acting like he's trying to be nice he's trying to be helpful like you know he's not like (laughs) i i know it's come up in conversation before like you know when you're Yeah. I don't belong here. I'm this is this is a bad path. I shouldn't do this thing. Like you know it. You feel it. She feels it, but she does it anyway. She wants to she wants to save her house. Um and he's trying to come off as helpful and non-threatening, but he feels threatening from the moment he walks into the room in the bank.
1: I don't think he's trying to feel non-threatening. I think he's I he he toes an interesting line because he he kind of he's kind of a good cop bad cop in the same body where like you know when he first sits down and she starts talking to him the first thing he does is basically just fucking piss on everything she just said where she goes through this whole you know her whole story and then he's like yeah, see, I can't really hear out of this here. So, like, well, everything you just said, all I heard was like, he just, it, it, it's such a fucking dick move. It's just, oh my God. And then, then he comes around, and he's kind of helping. And then, you know, he's, then when he does the shimmy shimmy, ya, like, he kind of gets like, there's a brass tacks, but at the same time, he's kind of like, okay, maybe I can help you or whatever. So you're like, okay, maybe he's not a bad guy. And he kind of keeps doing like, he he's kind of threatening or like shitty. And then he kind of like, Oh, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's just actually, you know, helping me out. And then the scene in the car when he's like, this is what... He drops her off after work. And he says, you're riding with me, so she can't take the taxi home. And then they're sitting in front of the house, and she can't invite me in or whatever, blah, blah, And then she's, you know, my boys and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I got a problem, too. I just like to fuck. And it's like such a weird like threatening like oh god wow he's just putting them on the table here now it's like he's almost like it's inevitable just fucking just stop fucking around and give me what i want and it's so ugly and oh
0: yeah i don't know i never questioned oh is he trying to like he never felt like everything about him sets me on edge but i don't know maybe it's the difference of the real world and the fairy tale world because I'd much rather I'll fight bully. I don't I don't want to deal with Dave. (laughs) Fuck that. I'll take my chances with with the monster. Yeah. Uh. I'd much rather take on the fairy tale monster. And maybe that's kind of the point why you've got such contrasting stories. Like they're both bones and his mom are trying to fight to save what they believe in. They're just doing it in really different ways. I don't know. I've watched it a couple of times and I, I really, really like the movie. I love the bones half of the story. And now I think it's coming more together for me. Cause it always, the Billy story just felt really disconnected for me. I just couldn't, I had a hard time. It was interesting. And I mean, there were parts of it that were terrifying, but it just kind of felt like, why are these two stories together? Mm -hmm. What am I missing? And I think maybe that's what I was missing.
1: Yeah, I think it's all You have
0: to face the real world too. You can't just fight the monsters in your head.
1: Yeah. But also, once you face the monster, once he beats the monster, she's able to beat Dave, right? I mean, whether or not right. they're actually saying that, that's the way that it's edited. To to, that's the lesson, kind of.
0: Right, because that that scene is so cool too, where you've kind of got the the parallel stories happening at the same time. Yeah, he's Bones is going down into the underwater city. She's going down into the shells. Then he sees a glimpse of the underwater dinosaur dragon. Then we get Dave doing his shimmy shimmy ah, and, and then they both slay their demons or monsters. As for Cat, uh, the Eva Mendez character, I don't know, I feel like she was kind of I mean, I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she's a good person either. Okay. I think, I mean, there's a point where Billy asks her if she's getting a commission. Like, she's getting a commission. She's, I mean, maybe she's making the best of a crappy situation. But she's found a way to make herself into the the queen bitch. So she's like, she's taking a cut and nobody's telling her what to do. She's calling the shots.
1: Well, Dave is telling her what to do.
0: Right. To
1: some degree. Yeah. And only Dave. Yeah. Otherwise she. Everybody
0: else is taking, is listening to her.
1: Yeah. She's queen bitch. Yeah. You're right.
0: So she, I don't know, found a balance between, you know, how to deal with Dave. Maybe she gives she gives him what he wants and he gives her what she wants then.
1: Undoubtedly. And she gets more freedom. Yeah, we don't even need to see that that relationship elaborated on in the film to know that's exactly because there's nobody that'd be working for Dave that isn't gonna give him what he wants.
0: Mm-hmm. But I guess in giving him what he wants, he re- he rewarded her because she's keeping his business thriving. Yeah. I mean, the people are lining up to see cat killers self every night on stage in the most overdramatic, bloody way possible.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you, what do you think? So. Rita Katib, Rita, R-E-D-A, plays the cab driver. There is a scene that always slips through the cracks with me. And I feel like there's a voiceover from something else going on, or maybe music. And you see him with either his family or friends. And it's very brief, and there is absolutely, it's apropos of nothing. There's nothing that leads into it. There's nothing that leads out of it. Otherwise, he just exists to drive Billy back and forth to the club, right?
0: But he leads with her at the end.
1: So, okay, so that's what I was going to say. So do you read the ending as the cab driver and Billy have found something in one another? Bones and Rat have found something in one another. And then there's young Frankie, obviously. Do you read the end as they all drive away and like build a life together? Yes. Okay, that's how I totally read it. I don't know that I even had even ever thought of it before other than they both beat their demons, right? Their dragons.
0: Right. Yeah, they both beat their dragons and in the meantime, while well, building up to face their dragons, they had they found somebody who was in their corner who gave them strength and and we definitely see that with rat and bones um i think i was i didn't think about it but i was aware that it was there with billy and the cab driver i just kind of forgot um but i definitely think it's supposed to they're supposed to parallel each other So they both found somebody who gives, believes in them and helps them find the strength within themselves. And now they can let go of, now that they've faced their monsters, they can let go of everything that was holding them down and move into the next chapter of their lives. I mean, we don't get any background really on the cab driver, except that little montage you're talking about. Um, and maybe it was I kind of took it as they were telling us that he lost he lost his family, and now he's finding a new one, yeah, and and he always from the beginning, he was like, The one person that is genuine and kind with Billy, and doesn't have an ulterior motive or want something from her. Everybody else wants something.
1: I think he also is important in in that like if we're if we're if we roll through with that that theme of like post capitalism or whatever or like his speech about you know before i came to this country people tell me like oh you go there there's money everywhere you just catch it like on the ground or whatever you know and he basically like that's obviously not the fact right and i think there's something about like the way that they all come together it's it's beyond like we're going to leave this place and start fresh and not necessarily worry about these things because we have one another. And like, there's like other things that matter, you know? Um, I don't know. It's funny. Like I really, I hadn't really noticed his character very much in previous viewings, but he, he really by absence stuck out to me this time because he ends up playing such kind of an important role and he's not really there then.
0: Well, I mean, he's there. He's he drives her every day. We see him all the time. He just you don't think about him. Yeah. And and that sometimes that happens. There's people we interact with all the time at work and whatnot that we don't think twice about until you know something happens that makes them more visible. He was always there. She just didn't notice him.
1: That's brilliant. She had
0: too much other stuff going on. Her life was too loud.
1: That's why we don't see him, too, because we we get the same thing that she gets. We get the thin slice. That's I I totally miss that. That's fucking wonderful.
0: All of her, honestly, I mean, most of, again, I'm not, it's, I'm warming up to that side of the movie as we discuss it i never i don't connect with billy very well at all the scenes i like best with her are the ones where she's interacting with the cab driver and they're just driving to and from work having conversations what a
1: great movie
0: I mean, those basic human interactions with with the cabbie make, it, like, they make her feel real. Yeah. And, I mean, I, we don't notice him, but I like that when we do notice him, they all kind of drive into the sunset together.
1: Yeah. I like
0: to just imagine that, you know, now they're and life's an open road. Now they're going to go find a new adventure and hopefully this one will be kinder to them than Lost River and Bullytown. Yeah. But, I mean, Bones slayed the the dragon that is bully, so he can probably face anything at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: And I love how, like, throughout that part of the story, whenever we do get those minor interactions with other people who talk about bully, they're telling all these crazy stories, and you don't know which ones are true and which aren't. Um, But they're making him sound like the biggest monster ever. And then, you know, and then you meet face who has no lips and it's like, Oh, they weren't exaggerating. Yeah. This guy, this guy really is that bad. Yeah. Such a cool movie. Um, I'm really glad that you turned me on to it. I'd never heard of it. I don't remember. I mean, I don't even think it's, it's from like, 2014 or something, right? It's not that old.
1: It's not that old. I, I think is it.
0: I don't remember ever like hearing about a theater release or anything with this movie.
1: I vaguely remember it's 2014. It came out, and uh, I, I, I don't know what I knew about it or didn't know about it. And I think, you know, I think after Drive, a lot of uh, Nicholas Whining Refn's Drive, a lot of like ryan gosling's career started to change and a lot of people became kind of more oh he did drive he did only god's god forgives he did place beyond the pines and um somewhere in there i was aware that this had come out he has that band um oh hold on what is his fucking band
0: Who ryan gosling
1: yeah, they're fucking awesome. Hold on. I'll tell you right now.
0: Okay. I didn't know we had a band. I want to check that out.
1: Dead Man's Bones. They have, as far as I know, one record. So it is like haunted house. Children's mm-hmm. choirs singing creepy shit. It, there's that like a Tom amazing. Waits element to a degree. To a degree. Okay. Um, Like with weird per- like percussion. It's it is fucking outstanding. Oh, I I I'm sorry I never told you about this before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I definitely have to check that out. I mean. Yeah, you and I both gra- tend to gravitate toward the weird.
1: <laughs> yes, and this is definitely weird. It's him and this um Zach Shields. Okay. I, they just have one one record. The record is called it's eponymous, just Dead Man's Bones from
0: 2009.
1: Bones. Um it's on the streamers. It's really good. I'll be listening to this. I haven't listened to it in a while. That's probably why I haven't told you about it cuz I haven't listened to it in a while. I forget about okay. it. Okay. Um Yeah, it's really Yeah, I'm really
0: definitely going to look that up.
1: But yeah, I knew about like I I remember looking for this movie at some point and like it was it probably did very, very like a weekend run in major cities like LA and New York in art houses was gone.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it probably just the art, the art house theaters.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it was not on streaming because this is still back before streaming was so ubiquitous, and I feel like also the DVD was like harder to come by or out of print or something. I don't know, but um, I remember uh, a friend of mine at work one day was, was like, "I saw this movie on cable the other day. I thought of you. It's really weird." Uh, <laughs> Lost River and I was like oh that movie he's like yeah I really think you should check this out I really think you'd like it and based on that I checked it out I was like oh my god do you know me <laughs> oh my <laughs> god um, also music wise I just wanted to, to shout out to Johnny Jewel does the score and okay. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Jewel
0: I'm not I've heard the name but I don't, I don't believe that I am.
1: I have, a. so there are people that think everything he does is fantastic. I think the guy is great. However, my introduction to him was in the very early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, during the Napster days. I came across a band on Napster called Glass Candy and the Shattered Theater. And I, there's no way you look at that name and you don't hit play. Like, I was just like, <laughs> okay, what the fuck? And it was this, like... I don't even... It was like a drum machine and a distorted bass and this chick that just was, like, her, like off-key, caterwauling, just super dynamic screaming. And and then, like... I, I even went to see them. So yeah, okay. So I go to see them live at the Bottom Lounge in Chicago in like 2003 or four. One of the worst shows I've ever fucking seen. I don't know what the fuck. The singer's name is Ida No, but she just was like barely with it. I remember she's like, yeah, come on, like kind of like. And I just never thought of them again. And then when they, Nicholas Winding Refn has a movie called Bronson that I'm a huge fan of with Tom Hardy.
0: Okay, I've seen that. I think I saw it with you,
1: actually. Elements of Lost River definitely remind me of Elements of Bronson. Um, But Glass Candy does some of the music in that, and it's good, but it's not great. But anyway, uh, that kind of got me to go back, and he has a band called The Chromatics, and then he did a lot of the music for Twin Peaks The Return in 2017. Okay. And that got me even further into it, and The Chromatics was his kind of main band Okay. But he does he, he does a great job here and that song uh god help me for even trying to sing this but you know whisper if you want me when we first see rat she's singing it with the little casio keyboard playing the keys right and that's he wrote the music and she sings it it's on the score and uh it's just okay. the it, it's gorgeous it's just so fucking gorgeous oh my god
0: I don't think I'm familiar with any of their scores, but um, it definitely works here. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like there's just, there's so much, there's so much thought put into every aspect of this movie and creating the, creating their own contained little worlds.
1: Yeah. It's very contained. And they break out,
0: and they break out, and it's I mean, I guess it's uh not only do they break out, but they all leave together, so yeah, I mean they've been fighting their battles alone, but now they're coming together, so bones doesn't lose his family after all, and you know actually expands his family, yeah. Because he and Raft find each other, and then his mom and the cab driver find each other, <coughs> and they all live together, so it actually kind of has a happy ending,
1: yeah, it totally does. totally the dinosaur head mounted on the on the top of the car, <laughs> like oh, you yeah. know the dragon the pulling the dragon severed head through the middle of the the uh, medieval village.
0: and uh, I mean they've got it mounted on top of the car so I mean probably with the idea that it'll scare away anything that drive away future monsters. They're like displaying the heads of uh, beasts on pikes and things. He's got this big dinosaur head mounted to the top of the car. And it's probably well, no, my favorite scene in the movie is that underwater scene when he cuts the dinosaur's head off. Yeah,
1: but... mine too.
0: <laughs> but that the mounted dinosaur is really cool. Um, there's a lot of really cool scenes that just kind of sear into your brain. Like that opening scene when we first see Town and Bully riding around on the, the mounted seat on yeah. the back of his car like he's a the king in new york
1: yeah um, totally I'm
0: the king of new york i'm a number one um <laughs> yeah, that scene um i i love the scene when we get the the fire the the fire and all the colors of the fire that's burnt that's eating rats house. um but the sky- the sky behind it is so dark that the oranges just like they they're so vibrant it looks like a dream, yeah, and then that under that underwater city I don't know if that's a scent or what, but it's amazing and gorgeous, and yeah, I don't know how the fuck they filmed it, but i I love it whatever they did. <laughs>
1: The the orange of the fire makes me think of the um, what's the Tom Waits song on Swordfish Trombone, um, Frank's Wild Years, um, mm. the line about when he 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 sets fire to the house, sits across the street with the Mickey, couple of Mickey's big mouths watches watches it burn all Halloween
0: orange, yep. yeah, all Halloween orange.
1: Never could stand that dog.
0: that's awesome yeah i like i like that
1: oh god uh closing thoughts
0: um closing thoughts is that i i mean outside of you telling me about it i had never heard of this movie so I mean, if, if you like weird movies, don't look up. I mean, well, it, you just listen to us talk about this for an hour. <laughs> um, just try to find a. I think you can watch it on Prime. I want to see you can rent it.
1: I'm pretty sure. Let's see. You should, let's see what I. I have, have a used? copy,
0: but I. We should have checked that. Um, uh, you, can you can rent it for
1: two ninety nine. Rent it for two ninety nine on Prime.
0: So I mean. If you like weird movies, you like stories that are unconventional and, you know, give it a chance. Just check it out. You won't be disappointed. It's definitely worth your time. There's, you can't compare it to anything. There's nothing else like it. Just, it's definitely worth two to, you know, $3 and an hour and a half of your time. And
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. The
0: performances are fantastic. Definitely check it
1: out. Uh, Also, I didn't know this until just now. As a closing thought, I would just like to give a shout out to the director of, um, the the, um, cinematographer, director of photography, um, Benoit DeBee, who also works with Gaspar Noe a lot and did Enter the Void and uh, Vortex and Lux Aterna, And then also did uh, Harmony Korine's Spring Breakers, which makes perfect fucking sense to me, that he would have worked with Harmony Kareem.
0: That's the one who made Gummo? Yeah. Okay. I saw that once a very long time ago, and I just remember it being really unsettling. I don't remember it very well. <laughs> I, do, I don't think I liked it. I remember it just being really uncomfortable. And maybe, I it, but... maybe when you're
1: here Uh, when you visit in April, (laughs) we'll do a live Elements of Horror and we'll watch it come
0: There's
1: there's definitely... I mean, that would be a movie where I I don't know that I'd say it has elements of horror, but pretty much every most of the people I've shown it to would totally be like, that has elements of horror.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember what it's about at all. I just remember it making me really uncomfortable when I saw it.
1: It's about a dying town. It's very similar. There's a lot of correlation. I think that's, again, really? one of the reasons okay. why I, I, one of the initial reasons why I like Lost River so is much. Is
0: it also in Detroit?
1: No, it's, I forget where they filmed it. I think they filmed it in multiple locations. One of, I think maybe one in, in Georgia and one in Texas maybe, but it's supposed to be set in Xenia, um, Ohio, which is right outside of Dayton. Um, oh, and okay. was hit by a succession of three tornadoes over the course of like a very short period of time, and just never recovered ever. Oh, like okay. you, there's you know there's like there's no way you can recover from that. Um, so there's a similarity. There's just no plot, but you
0: know that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's one of one of those movies where it's more just dealing with people. Talking, having like weird conversations and stuff. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm. Well, okay, that's Lost River. Um, we will be back next, I believe. Next movie is what? Boys and Trees.
0: Boys and Trees. Yes. Which. Hard movie to come by. You can watch it on um, on YouTube you can rent it from youtube or you can buy a digital copy i want to say i bought a digital copy for 8 bucks uh,
1: Totally worth it i'd rather have a fucking boom ray but it's you, i don't it's know it's not that,
0: available anywhere except I know, like, Australia. And at,
1: a couple years ago i actually was had like an exchange uh, with the director on on um twitter like a private message like hey is this going to be available i love love your movie and he said they were like you know things in motion and i as far as i know they never materialized because i I don't think it was ever put out here so i i but i I do i
0: check periodically every so often whenever i think about it to see if something came out or i would check to see if it was on any of the streamers um because i we both saw it a few years ago on netflix yeah I think I watched it and then told you, Oh my God, you have to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, and then it, when it got pulled from Netflix, it wasn't anywhere. And then a couple, I want to say last year or the year before that, um, our friend John said that you could get it on YouTube. Um so I was able to watch it that way because I couldn't find it for a couple years which it's tragic that it's so hard to find this movie because it's a, it's a beautiful amazing oh, film
1: it's so fucking good it is so good and it, it, was on, it was on Netflix I feel like for like a year maybe or something like that for a long time and then when it was gone
0: yeah.
1: and I then was like oh I'll just buy the disc and it was like no you won't
0: <laughs> Same, yeah. Well, after watching it, I immediately started looking to see if I could find a disc for it The first time I saw it, and like I believe it's only been released in like Australia.
1: Um, looks like there's a German. So I do now. I I forget that I have a region free player, and it looks like there is on eBay. There's a couple copies floating around. Ones from Germany.
0: Well, if you have know, a region free, um, so. Can you play, like, the PAL? Yeah. The PAL disc?
1: Yeah. So
0: So you might be able to find a copy then, because I know there are those PAL copies, which I think is like Australia and Europe.
1: The thing about these is you order something like this, and whatever you pay for it, you're also going to pay an arm and a leg for shipping.
0: Oh. Well, so, If you're I know, I'm, watching it digitally, you can literally buy for like 10 bucks or less a full-length copy of the movie on YouTube yeah. without it.
1: That's what I'll probably do. I'll probably just...
0: <laughs> that's what just, I did. I'll
1: buy the digital copy on... I probably won't buy it from YouTube, but you said it's also... That's well, the only or,
0: place I could find it. You can't oh, that's buy the it only on place. Prime. Okay. okay. You have so to,
1: I guess I will buy it.
0: From you have to get it on YouTube. That's why I asked you if you were okay with us doing that movie.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm totally okay with it. Buy a rent because okay. it
0: was it's slightly slightly harder to find than I would like it to be. But
1: oh fuck it, oh okay yeah yeah it's it's twenty but twenty bucks for high def. Oh, it's dollars fourteen ninety nine for standard def, or you can rent it for four four ninety nine high def, dollars ninety nine standard. So at any rate, that'll be our next movie. So probably roughly about two weeks from now. We'll do that. We'll drop that. Okay. Until then, for The Horror Vision Presents Elements of the Horror, I'm Sean.
0: And I'm Missy.
1: And we will be lost in the trees until we see (laughs)